unfortunately that's something that you just have to work on and and you kind of you get to know the lines that people give you when when something is about to when something is off and and that's why Iran is so refreshing and so interesting because all of those rules that get thrown out the window. I've got to ask this too while you're in Vietnam did you um did you have triantula? No no it's not a thing that really appeals to me I have to, I haven't been in the situation where someone's offered it to me a lot of these a lot of the weird foods that you end up eating I don't seek them out but if someone offers them to me then I feel like if, if it's a local thing that locals are doing then I have to do it as well and so it's like no other place there's there's all these Michelin starred restaurants but there's also every single bar here does amazing food they specialize in one in one they're called pinchos which are the, with the very small plates which are a little like tapas I'll meet you in the lobby podcast with your host Jacinta Phelan Welcome to another episode of I'll Meet You in the Lobby. I'm Jacinta Phelan and today I have special guest Ben Groundwater in with me to chat about his new book, just released, Go Go Your Own Way. Ben Groundwater is a travel writer, photographer, broadcaster whose work has been published across the globe. And Ben is uh, the author of two travel books, writes weekly columns for the Sydney Morning Herald and the, The Age. So, Ben, thank you so much for joining us today. And um, it's an impressive title, what you've got, you know, here with the um, author and photographer. And so can you tell us a little bit about your backstory and and what um, at what point did you decide to pave your way in the world as a travel writer? Yeah, sure. Yeah. It always sounds more impressive on paper than it it does in practice, I think. But um, um, but I I studied journalism um, up in Brisbane. I, I grew up in Queensland um, and, and I went to uni and, and studied journalism up there after having studied six months of an applied science degree and realizing that I didn't actually want to be a scientist. Um, and and, and I, I began um, I, I began my, my career working at a, a uh, magazine, uh, a, a little free magazine up in Brisbane. Um, and and there I got to do the odd sort of travel story. I'd get to go and stay in a little motel or a hotel somewhere in the in the area, like down in the bar in Hinterland or something like that. And I'd always love travel anyway. I'd always traveled with my parents a lot. And it, and it was always something that I knew I was going to do in my life. But I never really considered that, that that being a travel writer was a thing that was achievable. It was it was not something that I ever, ever really thought about. But it just Sort of happened that I took a gap year when I was I was 25 and I decided I couldn't go any further in my job so I just go and travel for a while and while I did that I started pitching some stories to the Courier Mail um, some travel stories on on you know doing a guerrilla trek in in uh, the, the Democratic Republic of Congo and and traveling around India by myself and and stories like that and they started getting published and I started realizing that maybe maybe this is a thing that I can sort of do in my spare time while, while actually having another career. Uh, and then I got back to Australia and I pitched an idea for a column to, to the Sydney Morning Herald when I moved down to Sydney. Um, and, and that took off. That was, that was a, a column called The Backpacker, which, which sort of helped me establish myself in the industry. Uh, and even then I was working other jobs while, while also writing this column and, and not really considering that, that this was going to be a full-time job. But it just grew and, and sort of snowballed. And, and in the end, I was not doing anything else except for travel writing. And that's, that's been the case now for about 10 years. And then, of course, with um, Flight of Fancy too, uh, with the podcast inside of it too, that, when did that come about? Was that, That's been going for the last couple of years, is that right? You've, yeah, that was about three or four years ago, actually. I've been getting more into, into podcasts. Um, my partner, Jess, is, is a massive podcast podcast listener and and was always saying you know you've got to listen to this podcast you got to listen to this podcast 
and and being a traveler, I was always looking for a great travel podcast. Um, and and there wasn't anything out there that was really sort of grabbing me or, or, or saying the things that I I wanted to hear. And so so I thought it was a good opportunity to sort of you know have a, have another medium to tell my stories and 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 kind of get the word about out about the style of travel that I like and uh, which is you know it's it's solo travel, but it's also group travel. It's it's more sort of what I would call kind of experiential, authentic travel where things go wrong and you know you have disasters and they're hilarious and and they're not the things you can necessarily write about in a national newspaper but they're the things that I think travelers really recognize and and can associate with and so I wanted a way to to tell that and the podcast was perfect for that. Well I I must admit I traveled when I was about 19 19 to 21 and uh, I wish I'd had your book because one thing I found (laughs) I wish I did. I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll use it on my next I, trip. I wish I had my book too. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, one thing that, that really stood out to me in my own personal experience and also um, after reading your book too was meeting people. Like you don't realise, you know, when you live and go to school or you're you know, working, you've got family around, friends around, and then you decide to travel over to, say, London or somewhere like that. And if you don't know anybody... And you don't set yourself up in the right places or work in the right places. It can be a really lonely experience. And, um, and yeah. I, I remember for myself, I was there for two weeks before I really met anyone properly. And, you know, I was a little bit shy about eating by myself. Like I'd never eaten by myself, gone to a movie by myself, <laughs> you know. And these things we a lot of people do these days. It's just not even, you know, back when I was doing it, it was sort of unusual to go out by yourself. But um, I, I have, have to say, once, once you start working... That's when about two weeks into the trip, um, I really found, you know, really found my feet and, and met people and, you know, that's that's rolls on from there, as you know. But you had some great tips and could you just share some of those with us? Um, some of the tips were terrific that you mentioned in your book. Yeah, it's something... It's something that I've learned over time. Um, as you say, when you when you first start off, and I've heard this story from so many people who've moved to London, actually, that it's it's a really sort of it's it's an experience that separates you from everything you know, including all the people that you know, and you and it's and it can be a really hard time uh, for that first couple of weeks, at least before you start working, where you don't know anyone and people aren't that friendly, and and it's not the same as Australia. It's kind of similar, but it's not the same, um, and it's cold, and and you know people don't smile at you on the tube, and yeah. and you really feel like what have I done? Is it was it's actually a good yeah, and and I've had that so many times when I've travelled by myself as well. Not not necessarily in London, but in other places where you, where you, there are these points where you think, was this actually a good idea? Like I don't know anybody. Um, but but you know there are ways, and and one of those is is staying in budget accommodation, which doesn't always appeal to people, but. When you stay in a hostel, you know you can stay in a private room rather than staying in a dormitory, and they're just they're much more social environments. They're places that have shared kitchens and and shared lounge rooms, and particularly if you're in a place that that could be a little bit dangerous, um, that that's a great way to get to know people. But there's also you know you go on day tours. There's companies like Urban Adventures that run day tours, and and that's a great way to meet other people who are in the city in a similar situation to you. Um, you know you can do longer tours as well to get to know people. Uh, there's even you know I've heard of people using Tinder as a way to get to know people know, in their in local on. area. That wasn't around when I was doing that. <laughs> <laughs> that's showing me. Right. Me, me either. <laughs> but when, when you think about 
kind of it kind of it's a way it's just another way of, of connecting you with local people or with other travelers who are in town and actually you mentioned also um which i thought was great you know like maybe a cooking class or it could be a dancing class or something like that i mean it's it's i wish i had thought of that myself for that first two weeks that i was there i nearly turned around and came home but it was <laughs> but i agree with what you're saying i lived in an irish girls home um, i got this room there and once again shared kitchen and that's where i slowly got to meet some people and they said hey come and um see if you can get a job with us in a pub and blah 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 and then from there we um you know you, your friendships developed and and went on from there so I, I i totally agree with you there's some really great opportunities there with tours too which is even day just yeah. a day tour just even a day tour can be quite good and and I, and I think with the with the hostels it's probably something that that older travelers would look at and think well that's not a style of accommodation that's for me because that's that's it's a youth hostel it's for young people but the demographic in these places has changed so much in the last 10 years or so oh, yeah. uh, and also the style of the accommodation as well these are not sort of flea pits with bed bugs and oh. and and you know people with dreadlocks hanging out in the dorm rooms anymore <laughs> there's there's like places like Lisbon has amazing the youth hostel I mean well not youth hostels just hostels amazing hostels like really beautifully designed small intimate places where you get to know the owner who's a local and you have dinner together every night um, they're, they're really and they're, they're not they're not sort of set up for parties they're, they're social places but they're not party places and the demographic of the guests staying there you know it goes it's the full gamut it goes across all ages and now also <laughs> What was your, I wanted to ask you this, what was your best experience or what's been the best experience you've had on a solo trip when you've been travelling? Um, I've listened to a couple of your podcasts and, and they're just amazing. And um, what's been your favourite solo trip that you've done? Oh, it's, it's so hard to narrow it down. There's so many great experiences. So, so for me, I, I was thinking about this question. For me, it's probably the experience that kind of, you know, set me on a path in, in my life um, and that was... I, I was I was in India traveling by myself uh, when I was when I was 24. I was turning 25. It was my 25th birthday, um, and and I'd been in India for about two weeks. And to start with, India was just so sort of mind blowing and discombobulating and and sort of intimidating that that I was I was not. I was not enjoying it particularly to start with, and it had taken me a while to really get into it and find my feet and, and decide that I could survive in this place on my own. And so this was – so two weeks in, it's my 25th birthday. I was on a train uh, going out through Rajasthan towards Jaisalmer, um, out near the Pakistan border. Uh, and it was just there, – there was kind of – there was a moment there where I was sort of sitting there thinking about what I was doing, where I was, what where I was in my life, and I just thought this is it. This is this is the stuff that I want to keep on doing. This is This is how I want to spend my life and I need to kind of figure out – how I can make that happen because this is what I love, and and so that was that was a moment that stuck with me for the rest of my life. That's terrific. Okay. Terrific. And what was your what's what's been the worst experience on a solo trip that you've enjoyed? Um, I've I've been lucky to not have any real disasters. Um, and, 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 you know, part of that is good planning. Part of that is good luck. Um, but look, the, on my first ever solo trip, on my first day, in my first hour of my first trip, I, I was in Hanoi um, in Vietnam and and just so, so sort of green and naive and, and didn't really know what I was doing. And I went down and sat at the, the lake, the main lake in the old quarter of Hanoi. And this guy came over. I tell this story right at the start of the book. This guy came over and befriended me um, and, and sort of, <clears throat> long story short, he ended up fleecing me out of a hundred US dollars uh, oh. after taking after taking me to a restaurant in the middle of nowhere to eat a meal of snake, um, and then and then telling me that the snake was endangered and that's why it cost so much, um, oh. <laughs> which which was really really not reassuring in the slightest. But 
I don't know. It was it was sort of a, it was a real jolt. It was it was this feeling that oh, I, you know, I, I I tend to be very positive and and to kind of feel like there's good in everybody out there and no one's really out there to get you. But that was a, a realization that actually there are some people who are out there to to get yeah. you and and you do have to be on your guard and and so that that unfortunately sort of you know changed the way I looked at the world a little bit um, for for the worse. But but it's it's more of a realistic view I think and and it was so, yeah yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, and also I've been dining out on that story for years, so it was well worth a hundred US dollars. I've got to ask this too. While you're in Vietnam, did you um, did you have triantula? No, no, it's not a thing that really appeals to me. I have to, I haven't been in the situation where someone's offered it to me. A lot of these, a lot of the weird foods that you end up eating, I don't seek them out. But if someone offers them to me, then I feel like if, if it's a local thing that locals are doing, then I have to do it as well. And so I've ended up eating some pretty strange things in that way. But but tarantula, I've never had the never. No one's ever handed me one on a plate and said eat this. So so I've not tried. No, I've, yeah. I've known friends who have tried it, and I just think. I don't know whether I could bring myself to have one of those. I don't know. I don't, you could offer me as much money in the world, but I don't think I could. Yeah, apparently the legs, the legs are nice and crispy and salty, but the bodies are quite gooey, and I don't really want to think about that goo. No, thanks. No, no, I don't. I think I keep away from that too. Um, and what's your most hospitable, like your most hospitable <clears throat> experience in a country where you found the people have been really, you know, lovely and bringing you into their homes? Or uh, for me. I had an experience in Northern Ireland. Um, the, the island of Ireland in, it, in its entirety is so incredibly friendly and hospitable. Yeah. Um, it, it's that sort of cliche and it's real. You know, you, you go out by yourself and you come home with 100 friends. Yeah. And, and that happened to me in, in Derry in Northern Ireland. Um, I went out one night on my own and I thought, oh, I'll just go out for one pint and, and maybe maybe some food and then I'll come home to my hotel. And I got home at about four in the morning and and I'd met so many people. People just come up, they see you by yourself, they come up and talk to you, ask you, you know, people want to know your business, they want to know your story. They, they just love that 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 chatting sort of aspect of, of pub culture. Um, and I had such an amazing night and, and met so many great people. And, and yeah, it was just, I mean, there are so many hospitable places around the world, but that one... I have to agree. I had a very similar experience too, Ben, in um, in Ireland. I was in the south of Ireland, and uh, I couldn't believe it. And people are so open to you know inviting you to their homes, and um, especially if you're staying in the B and Bs, they're always a great way to travel around Ireland. I think. But um, when when you go into the pubs, the small little pubs, the country pubs, um, yeah, just that that is one place where I travelled to, and you felt very at home. You could walk in anywhere, and you knew you were going to meet friends. It's a great way to connect yeah. friends along the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually had a guy, it was funny, we, we arrived in Dublin and uh, we were heading out to Malahide. And uh, anyway, we were just trying to work out which road to take. And this, we pulled over and this guy's on his motorbike and we said to him, which way to Malahide? He said, follow me. So we followed him. He, he took us all the way to Malahide and we pulled over and thanked him very much and said, oh, you obviously live here. He said, no, 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 I live the other way. And like just <laughs> stuff like that. And this was like 30 minutes yeah. out of his way. It was incredible. So I totally on, onto that, definitely. Yeah. I had someone in, in County Kerry was telling me the difference between County Kerry and County Cork, which is right next door. And they were saying in Kerry, if you go and say to someone, where's the post office, they'll give you directions to the post office. Yeah. In Cork, if you go to say to someone, where's the post office, they'll say, oh, you're posting a letter, are you? Who are you posting a letter to? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Now, also, um, what I love about your book is that you, you mentioned 10, 10 places to go and visit as a solo traveller. One of them that I was really fascinated with that I read about was um, your visit to Iran. Um, and uh, tell me if I've got this right. Is it Esfahan? Is that how you uh, pronounce? 
Esfahan. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was that was an interesting story. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, look, I when I when I was first coming up with the idea for this book and and thinking about the 10, 10 destinations, ten cities that I wanted to recommend people go to, Esfahan was one that was that was in my mind that I was really sort of passionate about. But I thought I, I'm not going to get away with writing this in a in a book for a, for a mainstream audience. And I and I chatted to the editor. Um, and, and the publisher and said, look, you know, this is a thing I want to do. I, I genuinely think that this is an amazing place for solo travelers, but, but I understand if you guys don't want me to write about it. And they said, no, you know, this, this is, you know, be authentic. Tell us, tell us your real feelings and, and thoughts and, 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 you know, you can, you can put in whatever you want. And so I was really grateful to be able to put Esfahan in because I'm so passionate about Iran and about sort of spreading the word about this country that, that has such a bad reputation on the global scale. And, and a lot of that is down to its politics and its leaders. But in, in reality, when you get there on the ground, it's, it's, the friendliest. It's really amazing. It really changes your whole idea of the world when you go there because you think, you know, if, if I'm so wrong, if we're so wrong about this place, then, then what's what's the rest of the world like? You know, what other countries am I wrong about? Yeah. Um, it's just there's, there's a real culture of hospitality. I mean, for starters, there aren't many tourists there. So if, if they spot you as a tourist, people, you know, you're 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 a freak. You're different. You're you're interesting. People people come over and they want to talk to you. They want to find out what you're doing there. You know, are you enjoying Iran? Are you are you understanding? Are you getting what it's really like? They'll, you know, there's 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 sort of that cliche of when you travel, you kind of always people people invite you to their homes. People invite you for for coffee and tea. And and in certain places, you have to be on your guard with that because a lot of the time, it's it's sort of the forerunner for a scam. There's something going on. It's yeah. people just don't do that. They don't genuinely, you know, when in your normal life in Australia, you don't go up to strange backpackers and say, hey, come and let's go and have coffee together. That's yeah. not a thing that people do. Yeah. In Iran, it is. That's that's yeah. what people do. That's part of their this culture of hospitality. They want to they want you to enjoy yourself in their country. They want to share their culture with you. Um, and I just found it such a warm, friendly, generous place. Uh, and, and as a solo traveler, you, if you want to meet people, you will meet people. Like my, I was, I, I traveled there by myself and I've traveled there with a friend. Um, and, and when we were there with, with my friend, we just, we realized that was the first time I've been there. We realized that we needed to leave extra time to walk to wherever it is that we wanted to go in Esfahan because so many people would stop us to, to ask how we were enjoying ourselves and, and talk about what we were doing there and just kind of get to know us and, and, and say, say welcome. So many people would just say those words, welcome to Iran. It just happened over and over again. That's beautiful. That was a really lovely surprise, obviously, for you. Nice to be visiting there and be pleasantly surprised by the people. And not, not only that, I suppose you also get a gut feeling, don't you, sometimes? You, you just know. You go by your gut when you're travelling solo um, and you just get a feel. If something's not right, you, you, do you find that on your trips? You know, you've, you've got to be led by how you're feeling. Yeah, for sure. And that's that's the sort of feeling that I've developed over time when I first started, you know, the, like with the guy in Hanoi. I, there, I, there were no alarm bells going off whatsoever. <laughs> That's unfortunately that's something that you just have to work on, and and you kind of you get to know the lines that people give you when when something is about to when something is off, and and that's why Iran is so refreshing and so interesting because all of those rules that get thrown out the window. Um, I, I think you know for, for for women who are traveling by themselves, Iran can certainly seem like a like a fairly intimidating place, and I and I completely understand that. Um, I, I talked to a lot of uh, female solo travelers before writing this book and and sort of gauged their um, their experiences and and it was really vastly overwhelmingly positive in Iran uh, you you have to dress in a certain way but um, you know you have to cover your arms and legs you have to wear fairly baggy clothing mm-hmm. um, you know you, you basically have to to act in the way that that Iranian women act um, but at the same time you can move around the country freely it's it's not a place that's 
you know, you know, you can you can take public transport, you can go wherever you want, you can stay by yourself in a hotel. All of those things are fine. You just you probably get a little bit more attention than than men do, um, particularly being a, a, if you're a Westerner, uh, which which can be intimidating for people. It's you know, nine times out of ten, it's not a dangerous situation, or ninety nine times out of a hundred, it's not a dangerous situation. But it's it's sort of that feeling that 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 of intimidation. Right, right. Yeah, I, and that's one of the reasons I asked about Iran is because a lot of my followers and also on, on Facebook and through Senior Stays, um, my travel website, um, a lot of the women are over 50 and, um, mm-hmm. and, and love solo travel and I get that many inquiries about solo travel. So that's why I've been so keen to promote your book because it's just brilliant. And uh, yeah. anyway, Iran is a great place for people, for solo travelers to do a tour if, if they're a little bit worried about it, um, but still really want to experience that that sense of hospitality. There's there's companies like Intrepid, which offer uh, tours just for women, uh, we know, led by a woman. Um, and so that's a really fascinating way to look at a different side of the country, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. For a first time solo traveler, um, where would you head to if you were in your 20s? And then I'm going to ask you about if you're in your 30s or 40s or then if you're in your over 50s. So in your, in your 20s, where would you first say definitely you've got to go there if you're in your 20s? Oh, look, I think in your 20s, you probably you probably want somewhere that's going to be fun and relaxed um, and, and where you're going to meet lots of other people who are your age. And so for that, you're going to be looking at Southeast Asia, I think, places like yeah. Thailand, yeah. Bali, uh, even Vietnam now. Um, Cambodia. These are places that there's a lot of budget travellers, a lot of solo travellers, uh, a lot of people, you know, on gap years or, or people sort of in there in the, who, who are quite young and and it's just it's just fun, you know. These are these are places. If you're staying in a hostel, it, it, maybe it is actually going to be a party hostel. Maybe it is going to be a sort of bed bug ridden two dollars a night sort of place. Um, and you know, when you're in your twenties and you're up for that, that's mind. that's a, a lot of fun yeah exactly so, so in your 30s and 40s where would you suggest uh, in your 30s and 40s I, I would be looking more towards uh europe at, at that point um so I've, i mentioned lisbon before um lisbon's such an amazing city it's so much fun it's so friendly and there's, there's just really great culture there beautiful architecture uh and you've also got all these amazing hostels which are cheap and sociable um but but also i mean they're they're they i would describe them as sort of flash packer hostels you know they're they're really they're, fa- they're fancy. They're beautifully designed. Um, they're they're uh, they're really sort of you know upper class as as far as hostels go. And, and there's places like Amsterdam as well, which is kind of known as a party place. Um, but there's so much more to the city than that sort of red light district um, that everybody knows about. There's there's also some really great hostels there. Um, and and there's a I mean it's I love I love Amsterdam. I, I hate the the red light district. I don't really go there. Um, but there's places like the Jordan and De Pipe, uh, which are these sort of really kind of cosmopolitan, cool areas where you still get the canals and and you know all the all the sort of windmills down the end of the street and everything. But it's it's also it's a lot more grown up, um, but but really fascinating. Oh, terrific! And and for over fifties, what what are you suggesting sort of for the over fifties if they're solo? Because as I say, we've we've got a lot of um, a lot of women out there, especially on on our site uh, that follow us that that are looking for great places to travel by themselves. Yeah, look, the world is your oyster at that point, really. I don't think there's. I think you know you have you have that sort of life experience under your belt where, where you, where you can go to some places that are maybe a little bit more intimidating and and you know have the confidence to know that you'll you'll be able to get through this experience and and, and handle yourself. So you know places like India is such an incredible country. It's 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 hardcore to travel there by yourself. It's hard work. You know you get out of 
I, I've traveled there by myself and, and you get to the hotel room door every morning as you're about to step out on the street and you take a deep breath and go, okay, I can do this. I can do this. <laughs> Open the door. And India just comes flooding in. Um, there's, there's never a dull moment, but, but you know, when you have when you have life experience, you you're ready to to handle that. And I met a lot of solo travelers who were in their fifties and sixties yeah. when I was there, yeah. uh, who who were really enjoying themselves. So there's India. Sri Lanka is another great place. Yeah. Sri Lanka is a little bit like India light. You know, it's 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 got a lot of those sort of cultural staples that that and touchstones that make India amazing. But sure. fewer people. It's it's a lot more relaxed um, and and fewer tourists as well, which is nice. Fair enough. And and what's your most emotional experience whilst you've been travelling, where you've been being caught off guard and, and thought, gee, you know, I didn't think I was going to feel like, like this. Yeah, I was, I was having to think about this. It's yeah. such a hard, it was a really hard question. Yeah. And, I, and I think um, my, the most emotional experience was not when I was traveling solo, actually. It was when I was traveling with, with my partner, Jess, about a year, about 18 months ago or so anyway. And, and I'd, we went to Vietnam together and I had decided to propose to her at some point on the, on the Vietnam trip. Oh. And, and we went and rode a motorbike around the Mekong Delta together. Oh. Um, and, and it just felt like this is not really the time. And then we were like eating at fancy restaurants and I was like, Oh, this is not really me. Like I don't, I don't need to do a big public thing. And, and anyway, on the, on the last night that we were in Vietnam, we were staying at the, the Metropole uh, in Hanoi, which is a beautiful old hotel. Um, and I was like, well, it's got to be now. There's, there's no other chance. And so, so we got a, I got a bottle of champagne sent up to our hotel room and, and proposed to her there. And so that's, that is, that's a very, even though I, you know, I was pretty confident she was going to say yes, it's still a very emotional experience. Um, and, uh, and a, a hard experience I found as well. I was surprised at how weirdly difficult it was to try and get right. Um, but yeah, that's, that was that it. moment to be spot on, don't you? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, talking about why I asked you that question was because, I, I recently um, went over to the Maldives uh, for, for a couple of weeks and um, one, I, it just caught me by surprise. I was sitting on the end of a pier one, one day, um, one night it was, and uh, one of the marketing managers over there was showing me around the island, uh, around the resort, and he said, come, come down here, come and check this out. And it was um, a manta ray. I'd never seen a manta ray. And this manta ray came up and he was swimming around and, and he comes up there every night and I was there for quite some nights and I'd go there every night. And it was just something. It was so emotional watching this beautiful manta ray dancing around and it was it caught me by surprise. I'd never sort of felt this feeling before. Yeah, it, it's funny It's funny how wildlife experiences can do that to you, actually. I, I went to, to uh, South Africa with my partner um, a, a little while ago, and, and it was the first time she'd ever been to Africa. I've, I've been there a fair few times before, but we went and stayed at this, this uh, hotel um, that was, it was in a private game reserve when we first arrived. And, and the moment we sat down basically on our little balcony and we got a beer each and we just opened up some beers and we're looking outside and this rhino with its baby walked across the clearing in front of us and, and my partner was in tears. It was like, it was, it was such an amazing experience and, and you're right, it's wildlife does that to you for the, you know, the, the world. It's, it's an amazing place. I mean, you can see it on TV and you can see it in pictures and books and all that sort of thing. But when you're actually there and up close, like what you're yep. saying, it is, it's an incredible experience. Where do you think you're off to next? Where, where's your next trip? Uh, I, in a week, I'm off to Rome. Um, I'm actually, I'm, I'm based, I'm in Spain at the moment. I'm in San Sebastian, um, which, which is, which is an amazing place, which I love. Um, but, but uh, the pasta is not so good, so need, I need to go to Rome to 
I need to go to Rome for some carb loading. That's it. That's it. That's good. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's also what I was going to ask you. So Rome. So you've obviously no doubt been there before. Have you been to Rome? Yeah, before? I have. I love it. No yeah, it's one of my favourite cities. So lovely. And actually, Florence is my favourite city. I, I actually named um, my daughter, her second name is Florence, not only after my grandmother, but because it is my favourite place in the world. Florence. Oh, right. That's nice. Florence, yeah. Um, now, tell me also, um, with San Sebastian, now you're over there uh, on a working holiday, is that right, for the next 12 months? Or? Essentially, yeah, yeah. Um, my my partner and I, my fiancé now, uh, as, as I told, um, we, we've had a baby um, and so my partner is on maternity leave and, and so we kind of figured I'm a travel writer so I should be travelling so <laughs> we might as well do this maternity leave thing somewhere else. Um, so we've moved over to San Sebastian where we've got an apartment here um, and so I'm working my, my normal travel writing job as, as I do and, um, and Jess and Angus are, are roaring around the place. We, we found that people really love babies over here, which has been really nice. You know, we can, we can take Angus out to bars and, and restaurants and, and, you know, just even us on the street, people come up to him and, and, you know, pinch his cheeks and pretend to eat his feet. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a really lovely atmosphere. It's a, it's quite a small town, San Sebastian, it's 200,000 people. Uh, it's, it's very easily walkable. Um, and, and so it, it really fits our purposes perfectly. And what made you uh, choose San, um, San Sebastian? What was it about? Like, had you been there before or did you just put a pin on the map and say that's where we're going? <laughs> I've been here a fair few times before. It's a place I really love. The, it, mostly it's the food. The food is just incredible here. It's, it's like no other place. There's, there's all these Michelin-starred restaurants, but there's also every single bar here does amazing food. They specialize in one in – one. they're called pinchos, which are the, with the very small plates, which are a little like tapas. tapas. Each bar specializes in a special in a certain pincho, and you just go in there and you eat that and you have a drink, and then you move on to the next bar, and you have amazing food there, and you go on to the next bar and have amazing food there, and it, it just goes on and on. And yeah, I was reading on your Instagram feed the other day that, that the price – the prices for a meal were just so cheap. Like, and for what you- really is it's it's really surprising given you know the people Australians have this idea of Europe as an expensive place, uh, and for us to go out for for a meal, um, you know, if if we spend the equivalent of fifteen dollars each or thirty dollars, um, we'll we'll eat like absolute kings. Yeah. You know, most most bars won't sell a glass of wine for more than two euros. A, a glass of cider. One euro, a, a pincho, like a you know, which is a three or four bites of amazing food, is is two euros or three euros. It's sometimes four euros for the really good stuff. It's it's so affordable. It's really incredible. Oh, that's terrific. And and you probably, I'd, I'd say also for you now that the next part of your journey, I suppose, is now travelling with a child. You'll probably have to start a new book. You'll have to write a new book on um, what it's like <laughs> travelling with children. That that's yeah, it's quite, funny. it's quite funny. It's quite funny. Yeah, the, the timing of this book coming out because so many of my travels in the past have been solo, uh, and and now, as you say, the the experience that I'm having is very very different. So it, you know, there's there's so much that you have to plan and think about and organise when when you have a baby to travel with, and so so that's been an eye opening experience, but an enjoyable one. It would be. And when are you looking at coming back to Sydney? Are you are you um, sort of looking at that in? soon or yeah we're, we're planning for early next year um but but we'll see we'll see how everything goes really yeah. we're, we're playing it all <laughs> so, yeah oh, well, listen, I think the, the grandparents the grandparents will kill us if we don't get home oh, fairly yeah. soon they'll be they'll be wanting to home <laughs> soon i can imagine that's right now ben thank you so much i really want to um thank you so much for coming on to the show and you're you're absolutely a delight and it's lovely reading you i love following you on instagram and and 
this book, Go Your Own Way, I really suggest for um, our listeners to, to grab. doesn't matter with, whether they're 18, 45 or 80, somebody will get, you know, something out of this book. And, um, you know, just whether it's places to eat and or just ideas, as, as you've put in here, of, you know, how to meet people if you are travelling solo. Um, there's just some really great suggestions in here and, um, and really great reading. So so thank you once again for joining us and, um, and we'd like to... Um, also invite you back at some stage again you know when you're moving around again I'd love to chat to you hopefully over the next couple of months and um, and good luck with your book yeah uh, look thank you it's, it's been fantastic to chat I uh, really really appreciate the opportunity thanks very much thank you Ben <laughs> and to all, all our listeners for joining us on I'll meet you in the lobby until next time bye bye I'll Meet You in the Lobby is proudly brought to you by Five Degrees, Australia's number one experts in measuring and improving sales and customer service for its clients. Contact Simon on 0407 002 113 or shoot Simon an email at simon.blair at fivedegrees.com.au and find out how you can improve your customer experience.